Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to our Big Squid Presents limited series, Space Podacy, a 10-part limited series where comedian Ben Elwood and I discuss some of our favourite science fiction movies. Today, we're grabbing the tissues and getting teary as we reconnect with Steven Spielberg's E.T. Welcome to part five of our 10-part limited series, Space Podacy, where Ben Elwood and I are reconnecting with our favourite science fiction movies. And when I say 10-part, it might end up being a bit longer. Would you like some bonus Space Podacy? We are getting such great feedback. There's already been some people writing to me saying that they can't wait for season two. We're only halfway through season one. Or maybe we're not. Maybe we're a little bit before the halfway point because we might do a bonus episode. Ah, anyway, we have an idea for the end of the first season that we're throwing around and I'll keep you posted if we're able to follow through with this. I think it's a good idea and it would then necessitate a new podcast early in 2022. Hmm. Anyway, it feels like an exciting proposition. So more about that later. Uh, Just so you know, at the end of this podcast, I'll let you know which movie is going to be covered for next week. And we also have a guest who was going to help us break it down. It ended up being a big, big, big podcast. So it will be a two-parter next week. But anyway, I'll tell you about that at the end of this one. Uh, If you missed it this week, I've already dropped three podcasts, two on the regular feed, which includes uh, Rove and I breaking down episode three of Doctor Who, and Ben and I continuing our deep dive into the world of David Lynch with The Elephant Man. Then for our Patreon subscribers, I uploaded a new Q&A episode with comedian Cameron James. They're one-off podcasts where our Patreon members get to craft the podcast by asking the questions. And our first one with Rove was a big hit. And the early feedback on this new one has been outstanding. It turns out some of you were as entertained as I was to learn more about Cam and his early musical stylings. Like it's some 
pretty entertaining stuff, isn't it? And uh, I didn't know anything about it, to be honest. Like, I had a vague idea about his interest in music, but I didn't realise it was like potentially like career path you know so anyway if you haven't heard it or if you're not a member of our patreon uh head over and you can sign up and uh, make sure you download from your rsss feed Uh, sometimes people are a little bit uncertain of where it is that is where you will find it also, uh, being a Patreon subscriber also gets you an episode of Big Squid dedicated to you. And today's shout out goes to Pip Lee in Brisbane. Hello, Pip. This feels like a perfect episode of Big Squid for you with the family dynamics and the high end adventure. Pip has been a long time supporter of the podcast and the work I've been producing here. So thank you very much for your kind words and uh, also just checking in now and again. I'm, I'm very lucky. I have uh, a lot of really great listeners who, especially during lockdown, would just send me nice little messages here and there, just checking that I was okay. And that is a very nice thing to have. And it speaks to the high quality of the listeners to this podcast. Pip, I do want to know, have your girls seen this movie? Let me know. I'd love to hear what younger people feel about this film, if they've seen it, that is. And that brings us to today, where a gentle alien is left stranded on Earth and must do whatever he can do to survive. When he befriends a young boy named Elliot, he finds safety and solace with him and his siblings. But with the government on the lookout and the alien slowly growing ill, will he be able to return to his people or will he be taken away by the government for testing and experiments? Today, we're phoning home with E.T. In 1975, he directed Jaws. In 1978, he directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In 1981, he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T., the extraterrestrial. We will witness the arrival, the search, the desertion, the fear, the discovery, the friendship, I'm keeping him. The secret. The love. The warning. The signal. The mystery. The danger. The intrusion. The wonderment. The enchantment. The hope, the connection has been made. Universal Pictures presents Steven Spielberg's E.T., The Extraterrestrial. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm coming in hot. Go. I'm coming in hot. Yeah. And I'm coming in with a statement. <laughs> yeah. I think this movie's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. I hadn't seen it in 
probably 15 years. Oh, interesting. And I think that I have a little bit of that disease going around of a little bit of contempt for Spielberg. Yes, you do. Uh, it's come up. Uh, no, no, no. I need to point out it's not a, a major thing. Yeah. But anytime Spielberg's mentioned, you kind of screw up your nose and you're a bit like, meh. Yeah. Well, I go, you know, I, I mean. Before I watched this, if you had said what of Spielberg do you really love, it's like Jaws and Jurassic Park. And I'm not... And, and Catch Me If You Can. I really like Catch Me If You Can. Um, but uh, I think I've kind of bought into that uh, popular uh, opinion that he is, you know, a big entertainment showman, maybe there's not a lot of substance there, etc., etc. Uh, and dude, within half an hour of ET today, I was like, this is... Perfect. Right. Uh, I'm just going to read. I just looked up very quickly yeah. uh, his movies, uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm not going to go through all of them because there's stacks of heaps of them. But I'll just go through the ones that I think are, are good. Mm. After right. Wait, so, wait. Are you good or great? Uh, oh, great. Okay. I'll, I'll say great. Great. Go for okay. great. Yes. Jaws. Yeah. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Um, I'm noticing you're skipping over Schindler's Always List. in 1941. Oh yeah, no, the like, <laughs> you know, but he hasn't, you know, like I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the, well, I, I think the, I think the, um, the Indiana Jones film, the other two films are fine. Yeah. Uh, like they're good. That's yeah. not fair. I think they're good. They're just yeah. not as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think the color purple is good. Yeah. Uh, I think Empire of the Sun. Oh god, I've, I haven't seen that for a while. I think that's excellent. Yeah. Maybe not. Like not great, but I think it's excellent. Young Christian Bale and boy Christian Bale, yeah, right? and yeah, really right. good, yeah, really yeah. good too. Uh, so boy Bale, um, a movie that I took a long time to see because I just went through a, a stage of hating that actor, and then I watched the movie. If you take out the bookends, I think the the I, I don't like the bookends, but I think. Um, Saving Private Ryan, it's great. Yeah, the first uh, <laughs> that open. I mean, it's trite to say, but that opening sequence, ooh, mama! Oh. I saw that when I was eighteen, which yeah. was like perfect conscription age. Yes, uh, I went with a stack of friends, and we were traumatized by yep. that. Yep, yeah, and you should be too. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I think, I think the scene where you know, right at the end, and you know. I'm not going to say spoilers because you've had 23 years to see it, but when the obviously injured and dying Tom Hanks impotently shoots his gun at the tank and it blows up, yeah. I think is one of the most thrilling moments I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> and I was... I There was a period in my life where I could not stand Tom Hanks. Yeah, right. Could not stand him. What, just too Tom Hanksy? I his From the moment he gave a speech for winning the Oscar for Philadelphia and he talked about all the angels in heaven looking down. I went, nah, I'm out. Uh, and then he followed it up with Forrest Gump and I went, fuck you. And then I gave him no respect for ages and then I kept seeing him in interviews and I kept seeing him have a, people would come up to him and have photo, ask for photos taken. He'd always give it up very, like quite clearly at dinner with his wife. Yeah, and, yeah, he, yeah. and I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm just being a little bit unfair. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. have subsequently enjoyed him in a few movies afterwards. Mm -hmm, but yeah. but that scene is, I think, a, a stunning moment in a film. I've got to rewatch that movie. I haven't yeah. seen that fucking again for many, many years. So Saving Private Ryan. Uh, AI, I don't know if it's great, 
but it's flawed, but I still loved it. It's a, it's it swings for greatness. It slightly misses, but it's a uh, it's a hell of a film. It's a hell of a film. Yeah. Um, I know lots of people who hate that, but I'm a fan. Yeah. Minority Report, I think, is pretty good. I only saw it once. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. I thought it was good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Catch Me If You Can like is gonna, great. I feel like this is going to end with you no, flipping no, no, the table no. on me. No, no, no. Catch Me If You Can is great. Catch Me If You Can is awesome. I think War of the Worlds has a couple of missteps. We... I, I, don't, I, I would take out the Tim Robbins bit in the middle. Yeah. I think he's in another movie. Yeah. It's like, where have you come from? Yeah. And I think um, – and, we'll, and this will tie into – the misstep with the re-release of this for the 15-year anniversary where they took the guns out. Oh. I think I think I think Spielberg is essentially a very nice man, yeah. and I think sometimes uh, that affects how he lands a film. So, War of the yes. Worlds is the, the fundamental mistake that is made in that film is mm. that the son lives, and what it should have been was that the son died, and when uh, his ex and he delivers the daughter. And she asked, "Where's the son?" It should have been should have been an Oscar moment for Tom Cruise to yeah. break down crying, and then you go, "Oh man, this guy has grown up. He's gone through a lot. He's lost a son, but yeah. to have the son turn up is a bit of a cop out, especially when the son runs into an explosion." Yes, yeah, no, he no. literally runs into an. Ex- he's dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the rest of that film, like there are scenes in that that are stunning. Uh, I think Munich is great. Mm. Uh, you like the you like the end scene of that. The big fuck scene with Eric Banner having oh, yeah. sex while he reminisces about all the people oh, getting killed on the plane. Yeah, it's full on. <laughs> but I still think it's a great film. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I saw it at the cinema. I thought it was really tense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Bridge of Spies was good. I thought The Post was good. You know, so that to me is like that's a lot more hits than and and Ooh. there are other films that. What? What are you laughing at? <laughs> Like the Goonies, I think is he didn't probably... direct the Goonies. Oh no, it says here he produced he the Goonies, produced I believe. Um, well, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of those movies where it's like yeah. debatable whether he directed them or not. Poltergeist, Poltergeist, you don't know. yes, yes, yes. But anyway, I think he. It's but, funny. I think he. Just because you're populist doesn't mean you're not a good movie maker. No, no, no. I think he's a great movie maker. I think the the thing that falls apart for me is that kind of default to sentimentality that can happen quite a lot in his films. Yeah, it's the reason I don't like Minority Report. It, it ends on too much of a sentimental tone. It and does. I feel yeah. like... No, I agree with that. E.T., it is the perfect balance, that ending, yeah. between sentimentality and life is also hard. Yeah. And it hurts. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. Like, man, I, <laughs> I watched this at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was sobbing like, a, like I was at a funeral. Oh, mate, it's, it's too unbelievable. much. Yeah, I was... Unbelievable. That last 20 minutes is too much. Yeah. When E.T. dies, all of oh, it... Oh, my God. And I know we'll get to it chronologically, but <laughs> I feel like that... And, and like I feel like that's something maybe he lost as he went further in his career, that balancing act between you can have a really sentimental ending, but also speak some kind of truth to it and I feel yeah. like a lot of the sentimental endings that happen in his later films they don't feel truthful it feels like someone going oh yeah you know like uh, yes, some really bad shit happened but uh, I don't yeah. want to leave I don't want you walking out feeling bad so yeah. uh, here's Matt Damon as an old man saying it was all worth it and it's like oh, yeah no 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 I, like, I, I do think that's a mm. fair criticism of yeah. of Spielberg but you know what I'm not going to hold against someone being nice that's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, in the yeah. current world that we live in, um, like I, I think it's a 
terrible mistake that they took the guns out of E.T. for that uh, oh, yeah. re-release. But they put them back in because... But he was reacting to the world. And he was like... Yeah. And so uh, it was a mistake. Yes. But at least it's a mistake because... It's not because he went, oh, you know what Tatooine needs? A fucking dinosaur in the well, background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was him going, the world is awful and kids don't need to see this. And it's like, well, I think you've made a mistake. But I respect you for coming to the decision for that reason. Full credit. Yeah. Full. I mean, and, and that really is the difference between him and Lucas. You know, because like you've, I've seen an interview with Lucas where they kind of said, you know, hey, dude, you know, what's going on? And he like, it's the most petulant, like, people think these are their movies. They're not their movies. They're my movies. I made them. It's like, no, they're, they're the people's movies. Without the people, you aren't living in Skywalker Ranch as a fucking billionaire, mate. Yeah. They're the people's movies. You don't get to change people's memories or at least like delete. You change everything you want. If that's, if that's your dream, like it's a weird dream, but to, to deny people access to the, to their original. That's that's the issue I have. Very strange. Yeah. To not uh, like, give them the option. To not give them the option. You know, it's this weird dictatorial thing, especially because um, Lucas testified in Congress against Ted Turner colorizing black and white movies. Yeah, so what are you doing? Saying it was a complete bastardization of the art form. It was a disgrace, yeah. rah, rah, rah. And then literally 10 years later, it's like, you know, I mean, it, it was very interesting watching Peter Jackson go through a kind of similar arc with the Hobbit movies versus the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, to just becoming mad with... Technological power and maybe not having anyone on his side that would say, "Hey, man, just dial it back a bit, right?" Oh, uh, sorry. Um, as someone who was not necessarily uh, like, I never saw any of the Hobbit movies. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so, what do you quite mean by that? Well, the- so the Lord of the Rings uh, movies. Oh, look, I'm biased. Lord of the Rings is very, very special. It's mm. one of. That trilogy is one of like a handful of movies. I don't even need to watch it. I can close my eyes and yeah. there it is. Yeah. Um, there is a visceral reality to those movies yeah. that you believe it. If you're, if you're inclined to buy that ticket and go on that ride, yeah. you believe that you are in this world. Yeah. It has texture and yeah. consequence and it is... Uh, a profoundly real world. And that was his ethos going into it. He said uh, on the first day of shooting, he said to his crew, we are not making a movie. We are making a documentary and we are lucky enough to be filming in the real locations where this stuff happened. And these are the real chairs and the real costumes. I mean, the level of detail in that film, in those films, Gandalf's tunic that you never see on screen is embroidered with, you know, horses and, trees and all this stuff like it's it's completely and that's and that's why those movies work Mm. i mean there's so many lines of dialogue that if they weren't delivered with utter conviction you'd be howling with laughter it's ridiculous and then the hobbit it's like it's just a guy who can do anything because his computer is powerful enough that he can make the camera go woo and swing through yeah right And, and it has no weight it has no reality Characters fall off cliffs and just bounce on the ground like the oh, wild coyote, yeah, yeah. and it's just—they're just flat, hollow, disgusting movies that were clearly just made because can, we can do it now, you know. And and you could and you could just see he's—and I've seen interviews with him post, and he's like, "Well, you know, if I could have if I could have done this shot in Lord of the Rings, I would have." And it's like, "Thank God you couldn't, yeah. Jesus, dude! <laughs> just because you can doesn't—it's like science. Just because yeah. you can doesn't mean you should, right?" Um, and. When you watch the prequel, we're so far off ET, but whatever. Yeah, we'll uh, get where, back to where, it. where you watch the prequel documentaries on the DVDs for Star Wars, and you watch the Hobbit documentaries, and it's very, it's very apparent 
that a director who once had a vision has now got all the toys. He's a knight. He's a billionaire, all this stuff. And he is surrounded by a giant team of people who are all kind of going... Yeah. Great, great decision, boss. While yeah. all of them are thinking this is fucking insane, like yeah. no, you know, yeah. it's. Um, I, I just think, just yeah, like I say, just because you can do whatever you want to do, yeah, doesn't mean you should. And the fact that Spielberg, because what you're not mentioning as well in that re-release, it wasn't just he replaced the walkie-talkies with guns; he replaced the puppet ET, yeah, with a CG ET. And so all of a sudden it's making all these crazy facial expressions that the puppet couldn't. And again, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like the puppet is so charming and so beautiful. And the fact oh, it's that perfect. he... It's perfect. And the, and the very fact that he, a couple of years after the fact, went, you know what? I'm really sorry. That was shit. I shouldn't have done that. Um, says a lot about the man. Yeah. Um, he digitized uh, five shots where E.T. went from being a puppet to a digital puppet Ooh. and also replaced the guns. But... Um, yeah, the uh oh by the way, could you remember the first time that you realized something happened in a movie that meant it was a it was a story that didn't have consequences and therefore it took away any kind of adventure because I can. Yeah, so, really? so I can specifically remember it. It was Superman 3 <laughs> as a kid yeah. in the cinema when Richard Pryor falls out of the building and, like, I think he's wearing skis or something, but, you know, he kind of flips and everything and he lands and it's like, well, if if that can happen in this world, why do you need Superman? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was... What a weird, like, I don't even remember when Superman 3 came out, but I was was young enough and I kind of went, oh, well, this has taken all the... Whereas in Superman, the original one, like, Margot Kidder... Like, she falls to her death. Like She's, she's going to like, die. If Superman's not around, she's in trouble. So that's 1983. Yeah. 1983, big year for Hamo. Uh, <laughs> won, his, won his first basketball premiership, saw David Bowie for the first time, and watched Superman 3 and went, nah, you fucked it. <laughs> he so. realised the internal logic of films. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. And and we've talked about this before, that kind of idea that um, Red Letter Media talks about. You know, um, you might not have noticed it, but your brain did. Yeah. Even if you, at a young age, don't have the language to articulate it. Yeah. You know when things aren't right. It's not you right, know, yeah. yeah. Uh, when did you first see this film? Did you see this as a kid? or? Uh, yeah, I yeah. did. Um, but it's funny because I think I've only seen it three times. I saw it when I was a kid, maybe 15 years ago, and then today. Um, the only... Me- <laughs> it says a lot. <laughs> it might say a lot about me. The only memory I had of it on the second rewatch as an adult was E.T. dying. <laughs> yeah. And how terrifying those astronauts coming oh into the house God, it's so scary it's terrifying and that's yeah. that's the only and I, I remember being as a kid very traumatized by et yeah like really freaked out by it yeah um, i saw it at the cinema <sighs> i went with mum and i i think weirdly our school librarian came with us who was friends with my mum and my uh miss kopchinski and she hated it but really yeah she thought it was Naff. She thought, well, she, if she was here now, she'd be on your side saying Spielberg's an arsehole because it's all treacle and, and shit. So uh, it was, uh, <laughs> and mum, mum was saying, let's just ignore her and we'll talk about it afterwards. Well, she shat all, you were a child and she shat all over your enjoyment. She was, she was shitting all over it to mum, not to me, but oh, to mum. Okay. And mum just kind of gave me a look as if to say, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this later. Um, so here are the top 
questions on Google for the film. They're not as interesting as normal, but there is one. So it's like, is E.T. on Netflix? Is there a sequel to E.T.? Who programmed E.T.? But this question... So obviously people have asked this, and um, I've never thought this, so I'll be like... I'll, I'm curious to know if you have said this. How old is E.T.? <laughs> Who's watching E.T. and thinking, how old is he? <laughs> That's one of those, uh, how, do, how does Batman fill the Batmobile yeah, with yeah. petrol kind of questions. Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit? He doesn't shit. He's made a paper. Um, according, do you want to take a guess at, uh, according to the film's novelization, E.T. is how old? <sighs> do you want to take a guess? Not really. Uh, 155 years old. You don't want to take a guess. He's... Like, he's, like, he's like I know it doesn't matter, but I was just 155? Yeah, 155 years yeah, old. Yeah, according to the film novelization, E.T. is over 10 million years old. <laughs> what? Yeah, that seems too much. <laughs> he seems that's, a, that's why I wanted to read it out to you, because I was like, 10 million, over 10 million. He seems too childlike and naive to be 10 million years oh, old. Maybe they lived to 50 million. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Who yeah, knows? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. uh, Spielberg has also stated in an interview that E.T. was a plant-like creature, neither male or female. So uh, his... Uh, Another one of our segments, First Context. These are some of the sci-fi movies that came out before and after. E.T. released in 1982. I've just picked movies at random, sci-fi movies at random. 1980, Flash Gordon. Mm. 1981, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. (laughs) Uh, 1983, Return of the Jedi. Now, that's interesting because Lucas and Spielberg are making Raiders of the Lost Ark Uh in 81. Uh We get E.T. and we get Ewoks. Of course. I don't know. Like, like it, maybe that's just a coincidence, but it just, like, they're good friends. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they're throwing ideas around. So, yeah. interesting, right? I, I very much enjoyed the uh, crossover of, uh, of Star Wars into this. Oh, so did... Yes. It's great. So, all right. Well, we might as well talk about this now. So... It's funny, isn't it? Because, like, I know these are little shout-outs and it makes me laugh. I, I think it's really funny, yeah. too. Like, when he sees the owner, it's yeah. like, oh. Home. Yeah, 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 I know you. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> the yeah. kid's going, fuck, what's going on with that weirdo yeah. underneath the sheet? But uh, but then the ETs turn up in one of the Star Wars prequels, don't they? I think so, yeah. They're in the, uh, yeah. they're in the Senate. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then in Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's the little hieroglyphic with R2 and C-3PO in the background. Oh, Oh, yeah. Have you never seen it? No. Yeah, it's just in the background, just as a little thing. And you go, that, that makes for a very interesting universe, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Return of the Jedi 83, 1984, The Last Starfighter, which I uh-huh. have not seen. No. I saw it at the cinema and enjoyed it, but I can't remember. 85, you get Back to the Future, and by 86, we're into Aliens. Right. Segment the year that was. These uh-huh. are some of the movies that came out that year in 1982. Uh, we've just covered the thing. Thing came out. Blade Runner, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan, Tron. Wow. And uh, Airplane 2, the sequel. Flying <laughs> High 2 in Australia. <laughs> good year for sci-fi. That is a good year for sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because, you know, we talked last time how um, the thing was so poorly received because E.T. was yeah. such a hit. I felt like the first five minutes of this had a similar vibe to the thing. Oh, Completely, completely. Mm. So, um, so I rewatched this movie for the first time about. Like, I hadn't seen it in decades, mm. and I actually rewatched this on a bit of a whim with uh, my friend Brett s- at six years ago. Mm-hmm. And my first comment to him was, "This feels like a John Carpenter film." Yeah. That that opening, like even the the credits and the music and the soundscape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
it's it puts you off kilter yeah no it does yeah you know, and the, and the weird steam everywhere yeah. and the fact that you can't see them properly. So there's, you know, and we take it for granted now. We know that E.T. is this lovely, uh, cuddle, cuddly creature. But without any context, it's like, well, what are they nice? Are they, yeah. what are they doing? Yeah. You didn't, like, I, as a kid, I didn't know. Yeah. You, you, it, like, it's quite scary. It's, yeah. This movie is scary and funny yeah. and exciting yeah. and sad and dramatic. It's so many things. Yeah. I'm going to throw some aliens at you. I want you to tell me where E.T. ranks in comparison. So, The Thing, where do you rate? What, what do you mean, better or better or worse? Like, what, what do you, where do you, I don't know, what do you prefer? Like, oh. when we, it's like what we did with Wally, you know, where do you rate oh, E.T.? Oh, uh, well, I'd rather hang out with E.T. than The Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as an alien, I think, uh, I think they're pretty comparable, like, well yeah. thought out things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. Uh, yeah and, and yeah, I think uh, equally believable. Yeah. In their, in their own way. Yeah. Uh the heptapods in Arrival. Oh. I think I think they're magnificent. They are magnificent. They, they yeah. feel truly alien. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, we t- we talk. Uh, they talk a lot about you know this uh, idea of aliens that we have as humans that we can't help but project. Mm. You know, this kind of starfish shape onto it. You know, two mm. arms, two legs, a head, eyes. Um, it's very rare to see aliens that are truly. Alien, yeah, that really they don't have fingers, don't have eyes, yeah, and just the way they communicate, you know, yeah, shooting that kind of the ink stuff out, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the xenomorph, ah, uh, uh, e- equally equally brilliant design, yeah. Like I've got the xenomorph and predator here, and I think the only thing that knocks them down a notch is the sequels, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. if they'd only been one predator, and if they'd only been maybe alien and aliens, yeah, you'd be like, well, because I've never seen Predator two. Does does Predator because aliens they level up the alien obviously with um Queen Alien, you know? Yeah. So th- 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 there's a design um progression. Of, you know, something that's truly you haven't seen mm. before because you don't really see the alien very much in the original. Alien. No, not at all. Um. Do they do anything different with Predator? And I can't really remember. It's a Danny Glover film. Uh, it's been around a city, right? It's around a city. Yeah. And I think, look, to be honest, I think the moment that I probably enjoyed the most when, it first, when I first saw it, when oh. I was pretty young, was Danny Glover gets on the ship of the... Of the predator, and there's uh, it's all the trophies on yeah. the wall, and yeah. there's a xenomorph there. You know, <laughs> of course, and that's yeah. what kicked off the uh, Alien so. versus Predator franchise into uh, Dark Horse. Yeah, yeah, right. I think so. So yeah, so that as a kid was like, oh, holy shit, it's called a xenomorph, you know. But <laughs> I think that was better as an idea than. Yeah. How it all played out. Yeah. Uh, what about the cockroaches in District Nine? Are they, I've only ever seen that once, and I remember, I'm almost hesitant to ever watch district nine again because i felt at the time and i'm they are cg right that's not a guy in a costume uh yeah i'm pretty sure because i remember at the time thinking this is the first time i'm watching and i kind of in the back of my head was like it's a cg effect Mm. it was the first time that i'd ever seen a cg effect that i was like this looks real yeah and i'm not entirely sure how they're pulling this off yeah. Although I feel like nothing ages worse than CG, so it'd right. probably be very obvious now. That's why E.T. looks so great. Yep. Yeah. There's yep. real weight to him oh, at, yeah. at any and given texture. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Jerome Newton in The Man Who Fell to Earth. 
Never seen it. Ah, that's David Bowie. I just oh. didn't want to get through a podcast without <laughs> mentioning Dad. Um, we don't need to know where your ranking on that lies. Yeah, and um, and the fi- and the final alien I wanted to ask you about was Gerard Depardieu in Green Card. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was just there for gags. Um, <laughs> uh, so many great decisions went into making this film, but I think an underrated stroke of genius is that they filmed the story from a child's point of view, with yes. only Dee Wallace as the mother Mary being seen in full. Are there any other? Decisions that stand out to you uh, in in from the storytelling context? Yeah, the 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 seeing seeing it through the eyes of a kid. It because I think this movie a lot is a lot about empathy. Mm. You know, it's it's really the kid. He says it from the very outset. You know, uh, they're gonna they're gonna catch him. Oh. They're gonna they're gonna cut him up. For like the first thing he says. First thing he says. Yeah, uh, and I think it is. <laughs> And it's funny because it's kind of flippant when he first says it, like, and then later on he says it to Peter Coyote's character, and he's serious, and it's a, it's a, it's a very subtle uh, cyclical moment. And the way he says it to Peter Coyote at the end is with such defeat. Yeah, like that kid is phenomenal. It might be the greatest. I mean, all three of them are phenomenal. Phenomenal. It, it, it might be the only kid performance I've ever seen in a film where it's. It doesn't even feel like acting. Not at all. Have you seen his audition video? Yes. <laughs> Where it's, the guy's just like, okay, kid, you got the job. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I've got that in Squid Bits. You know what he, you know what, what? do you know what he did? He's like crying about yeah, but, BT being dead, isn't he? Yeah, but do you know how he got to that point? No. Thought about a moment when his dog was attacked by the neighbor's dog and it upset him so much he brought that on. <sighs> and he bring, and it's phenomenal. It's that, like, yeah. I, I've, I've got this question a little bit later, so remind, um, but. You know, as as a fellow person who was not interested in having children, if you were told you'd have a daughter and she'd be as sweet and cute as Gertie, would you reconsider? Because I fucking would. I think I think Drew Barrymore in this is phenomenal. Like yeah. what a what a delightful character, and the young man that plays Michael it, is yeah. just as good. Well, because everyone talks about uh, Gertie and Elliot, I don't think the older brother gets enough love. He is like the platonic ideal of a big brother. Absolutely. He's like the big brother you wished you had when you were a kid. You know, he's, he's still got that big brother edge of, yeah. you know, giving shit. Yeah. And, but so supportive. Yes. The moment that he realizes that Elliot is in control of this situation, he cedes all his authoritative power as the older brother. Yeah. And is constantly deferring to Elliot. Yeah. And it's with so much love and so much warmth. I don't know how the fuck he got those performances out of those three kids. It's un- it's unbelievable. Oh, well, there's something in Squid Bits for you it's that ju- might... just so beautiful. But yeah, the... Uh... So much humanity. Oh, God, I could just cry thinking about the relationships between all the kids. You you know, it's uh, you know, like he still fucking tortures Gertie's doll to make sure that she clams up. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like they're all yeah. they're all real. Yeah, like they're real. Yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're real kids. And the mum, you know that, oh. um, especially you know as a as a kid who grew up in that era, that it felt very familiar. That kind of. Um, Free range parenting, yeah. You know, even the, even the sh- even the scene where she's like, "I gotta go and pick up Elliot from school," and she leaves her five year old daughter alone in the home. It's yeah. like, I mean, this movie couldn't be remade in this. Day. Those kids wouldn't get five minutes alone with that alien without some helicopter parent bursting through the. Right. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Is there a peanut in the room? Are you okay? Oh my god! Oh my god! But Just- she, but she. You know, like she's trying to hold everything together as a yeah. uh, as a single parent, yeah. and you know, like, look, I will say. She's obviously gotten a nice house in the settlement, but uh, <laughs> but you know someone who's not expressing her emotions, you know, mm. trying to keep a brave face. Uh, 
I I know this will be a weird scene to say that I love, but I love when Elliot's a fucking little shithead and talks about dad being away in Mexico and then the brother immediately goes from, like, he becomes, mm. like, an older the brother in house. a, yeah, hey, what are you doing mm. kind of thing. And even Gertie's looking as if say, what? Like, I barely understand anything and I know you've just made a faux pas. And that's mm. that's what makes Elliot so convincing is that he is a shithead at times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're yeah. the real kids. And, and and that kind of um, the casualness of the mother, like it reminded me a lot of, you know, adults that I grew up around, you know, the way she's dancing around when the kids are playing board games. Yeah. Even that moment where she just smacks uh, smacks the older brother over the back of the head. She's like, we yeah. don't say douchebag in this house. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And it's that kind of like, you know, I mean, God, it, again, they wouldn't even depict something like that in a movie today. No, it's no. be child abuse. Yeah. But it's, it's really funny. It's, it's funny and well, it's true. Tre- it's just like, you, you know. You know, one of the friends goes, pretends to go to touch her ass and yeah. then the brother's <laughs> like, hey, you know, like it's all, it's all, it feels like a real family, feels what, like real kids. What happened? What happened? Because there's, you know, a lot of movies of that era, you know, movies, uh, not to sound like some, oh, I, movies I grew up with, but, you know, I think about the Goonies. Mm. Uh, they had an edge to them that was very true. Mm. And it feels like that is now sucked out of movies and it's been replaced by this edge that is... I find just gross. Like, you know, so many movies, I've had to see so many kind of family movies over the years. uh, And, you know, they've got the jokes for adults in there, but they're just like gross. Like I watched Alvin and the Chipmunks. There's a scene where Alvin shakes up a bottle of apple cider and holds it at his crotch and sprays out like it's cum. And it's like, what, what are we doing? Why is this joke in a movie for children? And I f- and and everyone in the cinema was laughing and it was so funny and ooh, ooh, ooh that was that's one for the adults and I, but I feel like those same people would watch something like ET and go oh you know he said penis breath that's not nice or you know what I mean it's oh, this God. weird kind of like sorry I'm still in shock over the dude, Alvin thing oh I like felt I felt like a hardcore Christian on the uh, on a street corner oh my I, God. I couldn't now, believe now it double shock <laughs> uh, yeah that is. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, not a prude, but like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. But do, but do, do you understand? What, do, does it make sense what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. there, there's there's a reality of the casualness and the, you know, that kind of, yeah, occasionally people say fucked up things in families and it's yeah. okay, like, because it's a yeah. safe place and, you know, they all trust each other, they all love each other and there, there, there was there, there's a rawness or a reality to this film that you don't see in movies now. Yeah. Like, wh- wh- who were the last kids that you felt that you watched in a film? They're all so precocious and awful now. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 across the board. Maybe Look, Hayley Joel Osment, but that guy's like 35 now. Oh, yeah, well, you know, like... <laughs> Have a drink, everyone. I think Timothy Chalamet and uh, Mackenzie Foy feel like real kids in Interstellar. Oh, is that Chalamet in Interstellar? Oh, it's Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They, yes. they, no, they, they do. feel like real kids. They like, do. You know, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like he's a little bit, he's a little bit sullen, and she's, you know, there's. It feels a little bit Spielberg actually, which is not unsurprising considering Spielberg was uh, attached to Interstellar before. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was originally going to make Interstellar. And um, it's, anyway, uh, people will be drunk if I keep talking. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the uh, so I, my next question here was the opening scene feels like a John Carpenter film. Mm. Uh, I found this pretty creepy when I saw it at the cinema at the age of 10. Is it still creepy or am I feeding off the emotion? No, 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 it's, it's creepy. still creepy, isn't it? Because yeah. I didn't remember that at all. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, I only had broad stroke memories of this. Yeah. And... 
Yeah, I immediately, even knowing where it all goes, yeah. <laughs> was like, Ugh, this is, you know, and the way the aliens are shot, you know, these long spindly fingers, yeah. you know, it really is playing into that kind of uh, discomfort we have with the other. Yes. Uh, and, and alien creatures and stuff, um, you know, which is, which is appropriate because it's only when we see we meet him through the eyes of a kid yeah. that we are able to get over our own internal prejudices as adults. And that's what I think this movie is about. Yeah. That it, 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 it only ever could have been a kid yeah. that saved E.T. Yeah. Every other adult would have chucked it in a zoo or cut it open. Well, or- here's, here's, the, here's a question. What do you think we'd do if we met aliens? And I've written, cook them in a deep fry. Yeah. <laughs> we kill them straight away. <laughs> we batter we, them. We, we kill, we, we, dude, this planet's full of aliens. Yeah. It's full of creatures that look yeah. nothing like us, that don't communicate like yeah. us, and, and what do we, we do? kill them all. Yeah. We, we spear them yeah. and Or we put them in little fucking cages. Yeah. And, 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 you know, have you ever seen, spoilers for a 70-year-old show, have you ever seen the um, Twilight Zone episode, People Everywhere Are All The Same? Oh, that's really familiar. What happens in oh, that one? Oh, it's so good. It's um, so... Uh, there's a manned mission to Mars. Yeah. And when they arrive on Mars, there's a human civilization living there. Right. And they're like, come with us, you know, oh, you're the heroes from Earth. Um, and this guy gets to a house and it's a really nice house. It has all the modern appliances and everything. And then he realizes it's, it is a house, but it's a house within a zoo. A Martian zoo. Oh, right, right. Right. No, I haven't seen this. It's brilliant. And the refrain through the whole episode when they discover there's people on Mars is like, what do you think they're like? What do you think they're like? You know, um, and this one kind of older cynical astronaut's kind of like, well, I think they're just like us. I think they're just like us. Yeah. Uh, And the last shot is the camera pulls out and they're in this zoo and it's just filled with all these gawking Martians, like, like throwing peanuts at them and stuff. So funny. And he looks at him, he goes, see? They're just like us. Yeah. <laughs> it's really and that's, funny. And that's what, it, you know, that's exactly what it would be. We'd, we'd, we'd be terrified of it. We'd kill it or we'd capture it and put it in a zoo. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, like I say, it's, it's, only, it's only the non-judgmental um, mind of a kid that could yeah. engage with the thing and recognize some kind of shared experience with it. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the very fact that they mind meld is, yeah. you know, again, I, I think only a kid could have mind melded with that, could have felt that level of empathy yeah. without the preconceived notion. The uh, One of the things that I had completely forgotten or maybe not even really clocked uh, in my first viewings of it um, I kind of had forgotten that the authorities quite clearly are aware that we're being visited by aliens. And it's a tiny little fact that helps fill out the universe Mm. that the movie inhabits without beating you over the head with Mm. it. Are there any other small moments like this that helps colour in the world for you? Mm. That's a big one, though. Yeah. Um, Something that really stood out when I watched it is um, the classroom scene. Mm. Do you never see the teacher's head? Yeah. Yeah. They Charlie Brown it. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that, again, you know, in terms of colouring the world, I think that really sets up that that notion of that we are experiencing this through the eyes of a kid. Yeah. Um, so st- I think just subtle touches like that really yeah. help to... Um, and, and, you know, the same with the um, the authorities. Yeah. You never see their faces either. I think the mum's the only adult... No, you see, it's well, it's a it's a nice little twist because we see Jangly Keys Man yes. all the way through the film, and then when we finally meet him, it's Peter Coyote, and That's he right. is 
essentially like he says you know i'm like you i've wanted this for 10 years and you and because you see his face yeah and the only other face you see is uh mum like oh okay well i do trust him because yeah, you're only yeah, going to yeah. show us the faces of the people that you really trust and you do see yeah. faces at a distance towards the end when the bikes are taking off and stuff like that but yeah, there's no place yeah yeah but you know like proper characters proper characters and yeah. and, and again that getting down on the level of the kid like yeah. actually taking the time to yeah. get down to eye level yeah i'm glad you found him yeah you know yeah. i'm glad it was you peter coyote feels like uh probably was going to be a biggest like he's had a really great career mm. and uh but it feels like kevin costner came in and kind of yeah. took all his there's a there's a costner-esque thing to him but peter coyote came along first always quite like peter coyote uh, the i had to be really i got to a point with the squid bits where i was like there is just so yeah. much stuff out there i'm just yeah. gonna have to leave stuff behind but uh one story that was amusing was that he auditioned for indiana jones and when he went in had even bought a fedora and everything and when he went in to do the audition for spielberg and lucas he tripped on a lighting and pulled a whole lot of shit down and they immediately <laughs> went he can't be indiana jones but spielberg liked him so much he put him in et indiana slapstick <laughs> yeah, yeah well he would have been fine for temple of doom right yeah, <laughs> he would have been fine favorite. yeah um so i i've got this thing here about the kids are pitch perfect to me they're equal yeah. parts beautiful and awful and funny and annoying just like kids they're kids and i recognize them i recognize yeah. them in my friends i recognize them in me yeah. um uh, I might save this question for a little bit later, but uh, bonus little hammo fact for uh-huh. you. This movie began my love affair with Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, really? Because uh, I saw Dungeons and Dragons in this, and I was like, yeah. what is this game? Yeah. And then I was in Rundle Mall in Adelaide down at Angus and Robertson, <laughs> and I saw the first ever box set of Dungeons and Dragons and I bought it yeah. and my friend and I used to play it all the time uh, Dungeons and Dragons and it was also the same era uh, did you ever have the Fighting Fantasy book series where it was kind of like choose your own adventure but you, you, no. you play the, you'd have dice and you'd fight things that would be no, part I of the saw, story I saw those but and it was always wanted it but never yeah. actually accessed it as a kid The Warlock of Firetop Mountain The Citadel of Chaos Death Trap Dungeon I I wow. had heaps of them and there was a sci-fi one Starship Traveller and it was great so it was like choose your own adventure but with fantasy and dice great yeah they were great I love Dee Wallace as the mum mm. uh, and you know I kind of feel real pain when Elliot brings up their dad is in Mexico as we already talked about um yeah, once again, Elliot, just a perfect protagonist because he's flawed and empathetic. He's quite clearly in pain with the family dynamic. Uh, mm. But, you know, the other thing that I really like about him, and this is something else that you don't always see in films, you you, you literally see him think through problems. Mm. So, you know, oh, how am I going to entice this alien to, you know, come and find me or whatever it is to come and find me. Yeah. And like even in the chase, you see, you know, the the guys hanging out, out the tube and then he looks up and he goes, <laughs> oh, hang on. If I start taking these out, you can hear them going, no, 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 no. It's such a Tweety Bird moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's really, it's really cute. Yeah. Um, but I like that about him. Like he, he's, he's got a level of intelligence. Oh, yeah. That, but it's not. Yeah. It's not home and away intelligence, uh, home alone. Sorry, intelligence. Um, but it's um, he's he's he. Uh, there's nothing because even I've rewatched Home Alone recently, and I mean that they're completely different yeah. performances and completely different movies. But 
Yeah, I just it, it, it's it's so rare to see a kid performance that's not slightly cloying. Yeah, that just seems completely authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. In, in such a fantastical situation. I mean, he's hanging yeah. out with, <laughs> with this weird puppet. Yeah. And, you know, if that kid's performance wasn't bang on, you wouldn't buy the puppet. Not at all. You, no. wouldn't, you wouldn't buy any all, of it. But once again, all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they're all when they first see him. Even yeah. Drew Barrymore, she's five years old. Yeah. When she runs in and starts screaming yeah. and they all start screaming. <laughs> screaming. It's such a funny scene. <laughs> really funny. Yeah, really. Like, like lots of jokes yeah, yeah, all yeah. the way through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, not like, you know, boing, yeah. like real, real joke. Like yeah. just being alive jokes, yeah. you know, the, the, just the humour of the situation. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah. yes. That's exactly what it is. It's it's taking the, it's not forcing fucking Marvel-esque mm. quips in. Yeah. This situation, how would it play out? Yeah. You know, and it's like all the ship being smashed on the shelf. <laughs> uh, the the Michael when he first sees ET, you know, he's like making fun of Elliot and doing all these impersonations, yeah. and then he turns around and he's like, "Holy yeah. shit!" Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. and you even see it later when he's on the bus and everyone's throwing paper and all of that, and he's just he is he is fundamentally changed. Yeah, and that's again something you don't see very much in movies. You know, and again, it's a completely different, probably not even comparable. But again, it's something like a Marvel movie, the most insane shit ever happens, mm. and within a nanosecond, everyone's just completely, you know, compartmentalized it on with my day. And it's like, mm. no, 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 that's like a, a warship of, of spaceships just came out of the atmosphere. Like that's yeah. huge. Yeah. And obviously, those movies move at such a pace that you don't have time for those quiet moments. Yeah. And in fact, I would argue most special effects sci-fi blockbuster movies don't make yeah. the time for those moments but they are important that it's what you know it's it's what sells you on the reality of this yeah it's what has happened is truly unprecedented yeah you're gonna you're gonna need a minute to yeah. kind of gather yourself well you know after after their house gets invaded you know the Michael who is quite clearly a teenage boy who's learning to drive and has his mm. shithead friends mm. and you know uh he has to go up into that room of the toys and he needs, because he's traumatized and he needs to right. just be by himself and he's really upset. And it's, yeah. that's, that's, that's not in many movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's such a, it's such a gentle and nice scene. Like, yeah. I like, you know, you, you get to the end of it and you go, I really like that family. Oh, they're great. Like, yeah. to the point where it's like, the dad must have been a real asshole. Yeah, fuck the dad. Why'd he leave? Yeah. She's cool. Mate, if I'd, if I'd been around, I would have. I would have if if she's well, I would have da- I would have dated Dee Wallace. Yeah. I would have, oh, yeah. Come on, Mary. She's funny. She's yeah, cool. She's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and I'd hang out with the kids. <laughs> I'd gladly take them to movies and do stuff. Give me a call, Mary. <laughs> uh, there's no faffing about with this movie. The storytelling is so efficient. Mm-hmm. So I've got a quick question for mm-hmm. you. How long do you think it takes for us to see the aliens, see the authorities arrive, the spaceship spaceship leave, meet the family? E.T. go to the backyard, all the stuff with the pizza, see Elliot discover something's going on, go looking for E.T., like, and then finally meet E.T. before taking him into his that's house. That's like under 15 minutes. It's 25. Really? Okay, yeah. But, yeah. like... Well, it's a two-hour movie, so it's not even a quarter of Hour and 50 minutes, yeah. and it's like, bang, 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 yeah, bang, yeah, yeah. and there's, like, 
there's just no hanging around. No, and there's so and and you know, as you say, there's no fat, and there's so much kind of depicted just in like I, I, in the in those first twenty minutes. Even even the authorities, the way they're depicted, they're as alien as the aliens. Yes, you know, so you're seeing them through the perspective of VT. The way we're seeing him, yeah, you know, they're terrifying. It's all lights, yeah, and and motion, you know, um, yeah. you know, which again puts you in the mindset of this creature so you've immediately got empathy for him yeah before you've even met him just yeah. you know this is just terrifying yeah you know it, it reminded me of one of those like old english fox hunts yes you know suddenly yes. the torches are on him and they're crashing yeah. through and it's like, oh jeez man yeah. like i'm just trying to pick flowers what yeah, do you, what do yeah. You want? by the way how like well you know that on the spaceship all those plants and the flowers and all of that mm. Ooh, there'd mm. be some hallucinogenics on that bad oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at that stuff going, maybe that's what they are. They're just, you know, they're the equivalent of, you know, we're seeing them as aliens, but for the rest of the galaxy, they're dudes from Nimbin. <laughs> <laughs> going Even on mushroom ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of the year. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's the forever. Yeah, that would be a great, like, imagine that. Imagine if the... Um, Imagine if the uh, the sequel was just E.T. and his mates just tripping balls on, on intergalactic mushrooms. <laughs> Psychedelic. it was real, man, but was he really real? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to share my favourite line of the movie. Go. Shut up, penis breath. <laughs> no, funny. Like, like, really funny. No, it was... Um, <laughs> How do you explain school to a higher intelligence? Yeah, that was <laughs> great. A funny line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once again, none of the kids, none of the kids. How do you explain yeah, school yeah, yeah. to a higher Ding. intelligence? Wow. Mm. No, it's it's just. Like it's said matter of fact. Even that line that he delivers right near the end where he's like, uh, this is reality. Yes, so good. <laughs> so good. You know, my other favourite one is the insult, zero charisma. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny, like yeah. zero charisma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon we should have that. Like that should be anyone who annoys us, zero, zero charisma. charisma. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you certainly couldn't make this movie today. There's just so, there's so many layers to it that um, just don't seem... Um, applicable in the in the in the in the modern film world you know i just wonder if it's uh yeah no i totally agree and i also like maybe like there's there's lots of great young actors Mm. out there actors and actresses um but this type of performance i just think kids are more self-aware than yeah. they've ever been and that's none right. of these kids are self-aware they're just acting yeah that's right and and that's and that, and that's what i think it is i think you know early 1980s it's a pre-digital world yeah you know i'm not 100 percent convinced that drew barrymore at five years old even realized that she was acting it's just they, they, you know what it is they're playing yeah they're just kids playing because yeah. ki- all kids are natural improvisers and actors yeah. they're naturally hilarious uh, and they just go for it I think now you know with TikTok and this constant state of performativity that everyone is always in all the time mm. uh, you can't get that kind of truth out of a performance anymore everyone is so aware of the camera I watched um, Errol Morris's first documentary last night uh, uh, Gates of Heaven mm-hmm. and it was filmed in 1979 and it is so evident that it is a pre documentary ubiquitous world mm-hmm. these people are ju- like they're talking like there's no camera on them right they're just so pure and it's and it's and it's a level of purity that you don't see at all anymore even in you know great documentaries everyone's mm. always aware that 
how it's going to be edited, yeah. how it's going to be presented. You know, it's that post Big Brother yeah. kind of world. Um, and I think that's that's really the key to what's going on with those kid performances. I think that they're just. I mean, I imagine that Spielberg just set all the pieces in place so that mm. they could give the best performances, but then they're just they're just existing without this kind of postmodern yeah. thing in their head of like, I'm in ET and this could be really good for my future career. Yeah. And maybe this will get me more followers on TikTok. It's yeah. just kind of, you know, just go. You know, the uh, it's the same with if you read interviews with movie stars from the past and they're a lot more open oh, yeah. and real. Yeah, people don't have as much media training. It's uh, it's funny. It's um, I was what was I reading? It was Al Pacino, and because um, I didn't quite realize that, you know, like my disdain for the Oscars now, uh, which came about from Your Saving favorite. Private Ryan oh, not yeah. winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of um, uh, Shakespeare and Love won, and Weinstein's at the time campaign. At the yeah, it was a campaign, and mm-hmm. that I I was kind of a bit naive. I didn't realize there was campaigning yeah, yeah, yeah. like to that extent that yeah. you could like campaigning. Hey, watch my movie, please. But not you could yeah. change yeah. an opinion. But um, I, I never realized that Al Pacino probably didn't win an Oscar in the seventies because he didn't get it. Like he didn't. Like he was off making theatre, he yeah. was off doing stuff, yeah. and he just w- and he in this interview he was just like, oh, I don't really understand that world. I just like acting, and yeah. it's like, oh, that's why yeah. you don't win for the Godfather Part yeah, Two, yeah. you know, I and an, stuff uh, like that. I saw an interview with John Hurt uh, where they were asking about the Elephant Man if he was upset that he didn't win for that, mm. and he was saying a very similar thing. He did like brought up the campaign. He's like, oh, they wanted me to campaign. I just think the whole thing's just disgusting. Yeah, You're like what are you talking about? You either win on the merits of the performance. If I yeah. have to go and campaign, it's just ludicrous. Like, what are you talking about? It's absurd. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, the everything with ET, uh, you know, uh, like we've already talked about how real he feels and that. Um, just how they made that character really funny as well when he is drinking and he is just like he looks drunk. Like it is, it's an incredible, it's incredible direction and performance, and yeah. suddenly he just looks like like. I reckon Mary doesn't realise that he's there because it just kind of probably feels like a shithead husband's at home. <laughs> That's such a great, again, like, you know, seeing the movie through the eyes of a kid, that yeah. is so, that is what it is to be a kid, right? Yes. Look at, look at this, look at this, look at this. And, yeah. you know, you can just see the adult in your life is just distracted and you kind of vaguely understand yeah. they've got some bigger things going on. Yeah. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, it just, it felt like it, it, it depicted that kind of feeling of being unseen in, in, in a very funny, natural way. Like yeah. there's nothing traumatic about it. No, no, no. But no. It felt, it didn't, it, like while, while being comedic and funny, it felt true as well. Yeah. That this ridiculous alien's right next to her and she yeah. can't see it. Yeah, she's, she's trying to get the goddamn... Like, she's not only trying to get the groceries in, she's not only hearing about her son somehow ending up an alcoholic yeah. at school, but she's also dealing with the fact that she's come in and it's like, you know, once again, some nice subtle storytelling. She sees the beer cans on the ground, she's thinking, what? And then she hears that her son is drunk and it's like... Mm. You know, but um, at the same time, you know, worrying about the cost of groceries yes. and like, there's so much, yeah. so many balls in the air. And of course, she's not going to notice. Uh, but all of that stuff with the character of ET is really, really funny. Yeah. But he he's also <laughs> he you know the first time that he comes out and he meets Elliot and the way he wobbles towards Elliot is 
kind of scary because mm. you, you know because it's all in the dark and you, you can see the character of Elliot just uncertain of what to do. Yeah. But then, but by the the time that he's dying, you're like, you're like forget it, man. Like, it's <laughs> fucking it. game over, man. Oh, <laughs> oh man. my god, it yeah. makes me teary just thinking about it. Yeah, the um, the kind of violence of uh, the resuscitation and everything. Yes, was you know the, the the same thing happened when my grandma passed. Um, she we were in hospital with her and she flatlined, and the obviously it's traumatizing and you know time just stops and you're witnessing something truly you know extreme uh but i found when everyone rushed in and the fucking and all that shit starts it's like uh, you know what like we can do without this (laughs) yeah this is too much Right. You know, from my perspective, you know, with my grandma, like she was gone. Yeah. And everything, it just seemed like this kind of like, you're just like committing violence to her now. Right. When she's already gone. And that, and, and that the, the film really, really brought that up in me today, right. that memory. Uh, and I think, and I think. I think that's the statement it was making. Mm. The fact that it kept cutting to all the kids, just mm. being like, what? "Like, no." Well, they they Stop. also, but they also that they need to save him because at this at this point he's so linked to Elliot. Yeah. But then it's almost like the reason he go the reason he dies at that point is because he he breaks the connection yeah. to Elliot to save him. Yeah. Which is. Fucking yeah. hell! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's about there's about half a dozen moments in this movie where it's like I don't know if I can really talk about it. It really oh, makes I, me upset. I was like I was like heave sobbing watching this today. It really, it well, you really called me. fucked me. You up, called man. me. You said I might be over a bit earlier, and I've been crying. I said don't waste it. <laughs> don't, don't tell it me really, now. But it, it really, does. That last twenty minutes was too much. And then like you know, and I think if I saw this in any other movie where he comes back to life, you're like, oh yeah, right, yeah. Okay. How convenient. Nah. When he comes back to life, uh, okay. and, and again, it's the performance of the kid, yep. you know, laughing and crying and yeah. everything. But All it right. was just, I was so fucking happy. <laughs> so, so hang on. So I've got, I've got, I, I wrote three, three questions that went together. Yeah. So we might as well get to them now. How stressed were you in the scene where E.T. is dying? How upset were you when E.T. died? How wrapped were you when you saw the heart glow and the flowers come back to life? And he's like, I know what happens. And I'm like going, oh, God, this is fucking killing me. And then the next minute is like, um, you know, it's like, oh, no, he's dead. And just even, you know, Peter Coyote saying, hey, I'm going to like give you a moment and clearing everyone out. Like Mm. even that act of kindness made me go, oh, God, one adult kind of gets it. And then. Um, oh, when he says I love you, ET, forget oh, it. Fucking forget hell, it, man! Jesus Christ! What are you doing? What are you doing to me? <laughs> trying to be, trying to be a cynical fucking grown up. Yeah, you're fucking oh, murdering I me. I mean, thank God that you can still be moved like that by oh. a kid and a puppet. <laughs> oh, it's amazing! It's amazing. But when you see the heart glow and he doesn't notice it at first, yeah. you're like, oh. and then the flower and the yeah. way he turns around and looks at it, it's yeah. like. Yeah. Like the way that kid, like Henry Thomas, the way he looks, turns around and looks at the flower, it's, it's like, it's that look that Bruce Willis gives in movies, like yeah. where he's always, you know, looking at people yeah, slightly yeah, in shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's so good. Um, and thrilling. Just thrilling. Yeah. And then, you know, the <laughs> shithead mates on the push bikes, you know, even one of them's, something's definitely happening, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. they're, they're shitheads. Yeah, but then it's like, uh, hey, we need you. And they're like, yep. 
let's do it. They've got yeah. their little hats, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. all great. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really, the moment that killed me was when the mum f- first sees E.T. Yes. And that great mum reaction, like, that's great, the thing you built. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. But the way she... Pulls, and you know it's such a beautiful moment because you completely empathise with her reaction of like completely. get get away from that yeah completely uh, but it's just it's too much oh, when like, they're torn apart it's too oh much. my god well et reaching out and then yeah. and then it's followed by and then it's followed by the horrificness of those astronauts see I'm mm. uh, I don't know what it is but those classic kind of spaceman uniforms. Uh, I find them to be. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know how to really to articulate it, but that as an image, I've always found it fascinating that those suits that are, you know, as thick as they can be, have protected people mm. on on another celestial body mm. from all sorts of awful radiation and mm. stuff like that. But then when you see it in. Um, it, it, when you see it out of context, mm. it's there's something mystical about it. There's mm. something mysterious about it, and it's been used to good effect in uh, some Doctor Who stories, and and in this when they come just wandering in, it's mm. like now we're back to John Carpenter, you know? Yeah. Well, at that point, they're more alien than the alien because yeah. the alien has big blue eyes, you know. Yeah. It has expression. These things have no faces. Yeah. And they lumber. They lumber. They're they, reaching out like yeah. fucking zombie. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it's as you say, they're out of context. So there's an uncanny valley to it. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, you know, is, you know, do they know something we don't know? Why are they so kitted up? Yeah. Am I suddenly going to have tumours growing out of my right, neck? Right, like, What the fuck's happening? An awful sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awful hey, you know sequel. your friend? Mm. Yeah. Uh, a couple of fun questions to ask you just to... Well, th- this one's not as much fun, but... Jeez, can you believe that schools used to just dissect frogs in oh, classrooms? Dude, like, Jesus Barrick, Christ, right? I'm glad I never had to go through that. That yeah. would I, I would have been... I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it either. Wouldn't like, have done it's, it. It's such an inspiring scene. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know, all the frogs. Like, yeah. it's, real, it's kind of like a synecdoche of the what it's saying about the whole... Uh, the, the whole movie is saying, which is, it is about empathy. I, I really like that. It, mm. It's um, and uh, you know, embracing the other, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, um, projecting your mind into the into the mind of something that is completely other from you, and yeah. you know, realizing that it's you know, it's alive and it's alive and, and has every right to life as. Yeah, as we do, and 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 probably has access to all of the uh, all the negative emotions we do: fear, yeah. terror. You know, even a cockroach runs for its life when you yeah. try and stomp on it. Yeah. It's, it wants to live. Yeah, Where, you know how much cognition is there is a whole other conversation. But yeah, I uh, yeah, our friend Alice Fraser once said to me, you know, about just people mindlessly killing. She said, it was such a simple phrase, but she goes, "The problem with those people is they don't understand what it's like." Right. And there's so much mystery and yeah. kind of there's so much hanging on that that I, it's always struck stuck with me that, yeah. that phrase. Um, do, uh, did this did this movie make you wish you could just go downstairs and get on a BMX and ride up and down hills? <laughs> it did me. I've got a photo of myself because Mum took me to um, 
when my parents broke up when I was three, mum's, it was very messy. So mum took me uh, backpacking around the world for nine months at the age of three. <laughs> Crazy. Great. And um, there is a Can't photo cool, of me at three and a half at Universal Studios on a bike mm. with E.T. In the, um, <laughs> in, the, in the basket with the backdrop of the moon. <laughs> Amazing. Love it. Uh, just a, this is something that would not really stand out to anyone else, but I am fascinated that this family are into Elvis Costello. Like Elvis Costello. Yeah, like there's a poster. Oh, yeah. So Elliot has a poster up in his room uh, and Michael sings Accidents Will Happen, a song that was released in 1979 <laughs> and peaked on the US Billboard chart at 101. <laughs> and uh, it's like, it, like, it's awesome. I'm a massive Elvis Costello yeah, yeah, yeah. fan, but it's just like, it's something I hadn't noticed before. I'm like, Elvis Costello. And yeah. then it's like, He's singing accidents will happen. So that's just a like he's new wave, like he's alternative, like and he's in this mainstream. I wonder if Sp- Spielberg must have been into him, right? Must be just Spielberg kind of or Melissa in. Matheson or yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a it's uh, it's cool. But um, there's other uh, product placement. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily product placement. It's what a kid would have. He has <laughs> Star Wars. He has a Captain America Pez dispenser. Mm. Um, but you know the thing that made me laugh the most. Mm. One of Michael's shithead friends has a Camus hat. What's Camus? Camus is the uh, French philosopher who wrote uh, <laughs> The Stranger, The Plague and The Myth of Sisyphus. That's great. Like, he's, a, he's an existentialist. <laughs> so one of these kids is riding around with, like, you know, so there's something, like, these kids are completely kids. Yeah. And I remember, and this is where I think uh, storytellers get things wrong now, they add adult... Uh, aspects to kids, yeah, right? Yeah. But kids would pick up on adult things in a way yeah. that doesn't really make any sense. Like, I, I don't need to know why he has a Camus hat, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's fucking funny that he's probably like, yeah. like there's 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 some kind of backstory there. There's something there, yeah. And he's, yeah, yeah. Like, and he's he's the one that's been told that he has zero charisma, but he's wearing his Camus hat. <laughs> like, probably zero charisma is the worst insult he could get because he's deep down an existentialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's really funny. Well, Elliot has a Woody Allen poster in his room. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, knowing what we know now, but um, you know, that, that, you know stu- that stuck out as well. He would have been watching, you know, yeah. he would have been watching Love and Death and yeah. uh, Bananas and yeah, Sleeper yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But his his room, you know, he's like his room felt like a, a kid's room. He's into sport. He's into sci-fi. He likes drawing. He yeah. likes painting. Yeah. Like even the way he plays with things. Yeah. Oh, so mm. such a perfect film. Mm-hmm. Um. What are your thoughts on the flying bikes? It's beautiful. I love it too. I started crying. Yeah, people hate it. Uh, You know, I think that was... uh, People hate it? Yeah, yeah. I've heard heaps of people say that goes too far. And Miss Kopchinski, that was one of her things. I feel like... bikes would fly. You know I'm a pretty cynical motherfucker. I feel like you've got to be kind of dead inside to... Not enjoy the magic of well, just E.T. and like a I, I went flying on, I went past on, the moon. Yeah, but I mean, the whole thing... Like, I logged... I, I went on to Letterboxd uh, after I watched it just to log it. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, 95% of the people that I follow were love it, love it, love it. But two people were like, one star, this is shit. And I'm like, I, I don't usually judge people on their opinions, especially with film. Yeah. 
but I kind of fucking hate you. Like, yeah, really? Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Really? Yeah. Like, and I say this is not a Spielberg acolyte. Yeah, no. But I don't, I don't know how you could watch this movie. Like, and they were like, kids, shit acting. Like, what? What? What are you fucking, what are yeah. you on? I accidentally, you know, like I try to avoid all of this stuff, as you know, but now and again, just a little thing will slip through here and there when you're looking up mm. something else. And uh, I've, I've met, like, even someone who'd... Uh, I can't even remember where it was, but I just got my eyes ran over it and it was like someone was giving it a good, like someone had given it a good review, but oh, it's pretty dated. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not dated. No. It's, it's, it's a time capsule it's of, time. Of, of an era, yeah. but it's not dated. No. It's still as beautiful and wonderful and inspiring. Yeah. And, 100%. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Like, of course people are entitled to their opinions, but sometimes they are fucking incorrect. <laughs> like... Absolutely, utterly, moronically wrong. Yeah, but well, I just, I wonder, I, I just think if you're not, if you're <laughs> reacting to ET with that much like, like visceral contempt, like yes. aggressive hate, what, what does move you? Like, I, I it, it, you know, it's, it was just strange. I, you know, like not liking the film is fine. No, yeah. It's just not for me. I'm just not into sci-fi. I just don't get into that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But to watch it and not be able to appreciate, like, there's heaps of movies that, yeah. like, I'm not really a fan of, but I think they're really well made yeah. and there's good acting in them. It's just, yeah. it's not just for not for me. Yeah. I had someone recently try to tell me that. <laughs> uh, nice little tangent for everyone but someone telling me that the last dance with Michael Jordan was just not compelling couldn't understand why anyone was interested what? in it and it was really boring because all it was was what? yeah he was really good and he won oh That's and he was right. really good and he won and dude and he you know and he's awful and you know oh yeah so he's awful and it's like but that's part of the story yeah but also like also like, you're watching it, like, you're wrong. Like, I had to say to them, I just had to say, no, 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 you're wrong. Because yeah. because he was loved and he's helped make this and it's from his perspective. Yeah. And that's what's fascinating about it because yeah. he still comes across as an arsehole. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what's fascinating about yeah, yeah. it. Totally. And he didn't win all the time. He They just show you the ones that he won, but they actually show you when he lost and they show you when he went, like... Dude, I've never watched a game of basketball in my life and right. I've watched that series twice all the way through. Right. It is fucking electric yes it is so it's so and, compelling and sometimes like some, sometimes like I reckon people don't fucking watch things properly no. like I had someone that uh, that I work with at The Chase very nice person mm. who said oh, I watched the f- first episode of What We Do in the Shadows and didn't like it and I said mm. oh okay that's interesting mm. and I was saying you know I like it you know I love the character of Colin Robinson and she's like oh who's yeah. that <laughs> and I said you know the energy vampire she said which one's that and I said uh, it's, I said he's he's the one he's the only one that's not dressed like a vampire he works in an office and he annoys people and he drains their energy oh i didn't even see him i said he's all the way all the way through the first episode oh no i was like i was on my computer well you didn't watch it you didn't fucking watch it you didn't fucking watch it do you know what i mean <laughs> no, dude, so don't tell me i know what you mean yeah anyway why am i getting angry with you why am i getting angry i feel a little bit um I feel a little bit dialed up to 100 today and I think it's because I got up and got a lot of exercise in the morning and I cleaned my house and I did some work and I'm pretty charged. You've been Sarah Goldfarbing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me, 
you know, no, dude, you're, uh, dude, you're preaching to the converted. I know exactly what yeah. you mean. I have a, you know, it's 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 the biggest bugbear of uh, one of the biggest bugbears of mine in the way people consume content these days is that that's how it's seen. It's consuming yes. content. Yes, it's 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 fucking Let's not go down fast this food. Path. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's I not agree. engaging with a film. Yeah. It is yeah, consuming what? content. Tick the box. Yeah. Tick the box. Yeah, saw it out of my peripheral, seen it. No, you haven't, mate. You know, and by the way, just because you, like, like so I, uh, uh, a friend of ours, Seren, mm. said, oh, you should watch Squid Games and review it on Big Squid. And yeah. I said, that's a really good idea. And I watched the first 15, 20 minutes of the first episode and just went, you know what, this is not for me yeah, at, the same. at this particular yes. point. I'm not saying it won't be for me, but yeah. at this point I'm watching this and I'm like, I just... I'm not up for committing yeah, to yeah, this, yeah. but I watched. I watched it for 20 minutes, and the reason I pulled out was not because I didn't think it was good. I just knew it wasn't for me yeah, right that's, now. That's dude. and that's that's perfect. But I'm not. I'm not going to be on my com, on my phone and then tell you, yeah, I just wasn't really into it yeah. when I could not tell you who the people like. How can you watch something and not realize that there's. Yeah. One of the main characters is in it. Oh, yeah, no, nah, I watched uh, Rays of the Lost Ark. I didn't really like it. Oh, you didn't like Indiana Jones? Who? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what about the boulder? There was a boulder. But I think there's, you know, now because, uh, you know, uh, the, the, everyone's drowning in content, uh, there's this race to kind of log everything. Yes. And so people watch things when they're ironing. They watch things when they're washing the dishes. They yeah. just have things playing as moving wallpaper all the time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I, I don't know how you can even offer a fucking opinion if you haven't actually sat and watched the thing. But well, I think people want to keep up with the conversation. Yeah. You know, oh, I've got to, oh, everyone's talking about Squid Game, got to watch 10 hours. It's 10 hours, man. That's a yeah. fucking long time to sit and watch something. Yeah. So instead of actually sitting there for 10 hours and watching it, it's kind of half on, half engaging. Yeah. While you scroll through Twitter and you're being triggered by, fucking the the shit of the world and yeah. how can you fucking concentrate on anything yeah people wonder why everyone's mentally ill are you fucking kidding me i spent five minutes on twitter the other day for the first time in a long time yeah my god the way your emotions are wrenched yeah oh here's a photo of a cute puppy oh there's a beheading video and i wonder why i'm fucking having a nervous breakdown it's jesus just, what's going on with your no, feed no, no, that's a bit extreme <laughs> but you know what i mean like yeah, you know yeah. like, oh the environment's collapsing oh yeah. look cute 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 kittens yeah fuck man you, like, know, you know what is dangerous for me is that i i have to say on on social media i you know you can't say this at 100% because you don't know but i would say the majority of people who follow me, and I mean like a high, high percentage of people who follow me, follow me for the right reasons. Mm. It's not saying that I'm either this or that, but if they follow me, they follow me because they have a sense of who I am mm. and they like me. Yeah. And they might not agree with everything I say, but they understand where I'm coming from. And so, and this has been cultivated over a number of years. Mm. And so therefore the majority of conversations I have online are, great mm, like mm. people are really nice mm, and really interesting mm. and you know sometimes uh people will come in with uh you know contradictory uh, uh opinions on something and uh, but they'll come in a, a way where you go oh yeah no i get where you've come in yeah, from that and so you know it's nice and then and also some of them are so nice that you can you can throw in a joke like you know blah 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 you know you should give all movies a go and then I'll throw in a little you know but fuck you know the shape of colour or yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, the shape yeah. of water you yeah, know yeah, that yeah. kind of thing but anytime any of my really uh, high profile friends retweet me Jesus I get some 
dumb fucks really writing of to course. me. Yeah, yeah. I had one person. Uh, well, I won't, let's not go into it. But you know, <laughs> one one person uh, being. I, at first, I wasn't quite certain if they were being a shithead, so I mm. just kind of wrote something you know, joking around back. And then they were so patronizing, not just about me, but about the people who listen to this podcast and my followers that just because a scorpion has manners doesn't mean it can't stick a stinger straight through your face. And I wrote the most heinous thing that I have written in a long time in response to show what I could unleash if I wanted. And I deleted it because that's immature. Of course. Because it's but fuck it's, you, it's, mate. Yeah, but fuck it's, you. It's what I said to you before. Everyone has become a fucking old lady writing letters to the editor. It's just unbelievable, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. I've got a oh, dude. Shut up. He gives a fuck. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Fucking yelling into the Grand Canyon. Yeah, Who and this cares? person didn't follow me. Like, like you know, I've got so, my opinion to offer. Yeah, oh, I want to give you some advice. I did not ask for it. <laughs> I'll give you some advice. Go fuck yourself. Fuck off. Set yourself on fire. Shoot yourself into the sun. No one will care. You, The world will continue and you will be unloved and unmoored. Hammo. That's not the heinous thing I wrote. It was much worse. Anyway, so... <laughs> here we are, almost in tears, talking about E.T. And then oh, someone... No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old men yelling at the clouds. Why are you different? Um... I love the bait and switch on the jangly keys, as I told you, yes. and that turns out to be the true believer in Peter Coyote's character. You know what I like to think? After the movie, Marion. Because yeah. he's watching her, and I think he's... I think that scene where he's watching her and the, the emotion with the everything that's going on. Yeah. That's what I like and to think. And he's a cool guy. I he's think, a cool guy. Uh, you know, I think he'd uh, be a good stepdad for Elliot. I think Talk about be, aliens all the time. I think he'd be good stars. to all of them. Yeah, I think he'd take him out to the park and, yeah. you know, wonder yeah. where he is and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and maybe they, you know, maybe Elliot grew up to be a, botani- a botanist or something <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, you yeah. know, or something nice like that. Yeah. Um, when E.T. and his friends finally fly away and leave behind a rainbow in the sky, oh. is this the alien's version of a burnout? <laughs> Our E.T. and his alien friends, Bogans. That <laughs> goes back to what you were saying before. They're tripping. Wow, yeah, 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 yeah. the colours. Yeah. Like, like leaving what, an acid trail behind them. Yeah, yeah. What we couldn't hear was the horn going... <laughs> that scene, the calm... Stay. Oh, you got no, be- shut up. <laughs> oh, it's too much. Very beautiful. Uh, it's all, you know what? Like for a movie like that, ramps up the excitement. Yeah. Like and it ramps up the action and all that. All the push bike stuff is thrilling. Yeah, it's like great. even the earlier one when Michael goes looking for ET, yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. a it's like a little Steve McQueen in the Great Escape moment yeah. where he goes up the hill to get away from the cops. Yeah, and yeah. it's um, but then it just takes its time. It yeah. takes its time with its ending. All the kids get a moment. Fuck, I'm about to start crying just thinking about it. And uh, that, oh, my God, the hugging. Oh, the little yeah, fingers yeah, on the yeah. back. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'll be here. Oh, oh no. Ouch. Pointing at his heart and saying, Al, forget <laughs> it. Forget it. He's like, oh, fuck. 40 years old and I'm watching this sobbing. Oh, my God. Ridiculous. I'm, I'm 49 and getting teary now. It's too much. I think I'm going through menopause. Um, okay, segment. We've got some segments to finish off. Uh, this is our segment, Who and How. Yeah. Which character do you think you would be and how would you react in their place? I would love to think that I would be Elliot. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Like, So this is this is an argument for why we need more uh, a broader representation in, in entertainment for yeah. everybody. Yeah. When I was a kid, yeah. 
Elliot was my guy. I saw myself as Elliot yeah. and I saw myself as reacting exactly the same way from yeah. from possibly being a shithead to mum to being on a push bike to <laughs> not wanting to kill the frogs to, you know. Yeah. I probably would have, if I was drunk, stood on a kid's back and snogged the girl that I liked. <laughs> Such a great scene. Well, I've, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, without being like, ooh, I'm a, I'm a wonderful person. But, you know, mm. I do go out of my way to um, help animals, uh, can't kill bugs. Yeah. You know, I feel a lot more empathy most of the time for creatures that are non-human yep. than humans yep. it's not to say that i'm an asshole no, no, try no. not to be an asshole to people but you know i mean even the other day there was this moth little tiny moth mm. um i was showering and i noticed that it was just about to get taken out by some water drops yeah and, and, and i tried so hard but my hands were wet and no. it ended up just like it didn't work out yeah and you know it obviously didn't derail the day i didn't spend the whole day going oh i couldn't no, save but the moth but, but there was this like oh, so i'm sorry yeah. buddy <laughs> i have accidentally killed so many insects that i've been trying to help yeah uh when i was a kid mum like my grandfather once just got to a point where I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was like a windy summer or a spring or something like that. But there must have been, what, the spring goes for three months. Uh, so, what, 12 weeks. I reckon seven of the 12 weeks I brought a bird home that mm-hmm. I that was, you know, that I was going to try and yeah. bring back to life. And, yeah, yeah that will die. Yeah. Anyway. Well, once, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I probably see myself as Peter Coyote now. Yeah, right. Marrying... Mary, <laughs> yeah, and being being, and just one day having, g- coming having a pre-made family, yeah, and then you know one day like the the real dad coming to pick up the kids, and me just sort of saying, "Hey, be present." <laughs> yeah, that's all I'd say. Yeah, and he'd be he'd be angry about it, but I'd just give him a fucking blue steel look and say, "I've got a lot of pent up fucking anger about some <laughs> asshole on Twitter." So. I will take it out on It'll you. It'll be all right because he'd have to put up with his um, biological children talking about how much they love their stepdad. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well done. Oh, God. That'd say so many nice things at my funeral. Um, segment, better or worse, ruin or improve the movie with one de- decision. I have a great one. Yeah. I'd have E.T. voiced by Rodney Dangerfield. Uh. <laughs> I was laughing so hard when I came up with this thinking just E.T. walking around going, oh, I get no home. respect. <laughs> hey, what's the spa without bubbles? Hey, bubbles, come over here. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking you'd want to change his voice. I was wondering who you'd go for. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, <You're> right? <laughs> Tugging at his neck skin. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that got tough. Anyway. I'd ruin the movie by replacing all the um, guns with walkie-talkies. Walkie-talkies, yeah. <laughs> Such a bad choice. Well, I understand why, but like, but it's like he forgot that it's meant to be scary. Like that scene is meant yeah. to be scary and it's meant to be intimidating. Like it's meant to be that. No, but it was also a direct response to 9-11 because he changes yes. the line where um, you are not going as a terrorist. Yeah, which is mom, in- all my friends are. <laughs> yeah, it's such a funny line. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think it, I think it was you know I mean there, there was that crazy post nine eleven 
you know, reaction you can, where they were deleting the Twin Towers out of movies oh, that yeah. they never existed. Yeah. Oh, God, this is not a mature way to deal with no, this. No, 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 no. You, <laughs> you have to... You don't eliminate the thing from ever existing, guys. Yeah. That's no, no, pretty no. fucking disrespectful. You know what's a really good thing? Let's never talk about this ever happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. That, the psychic backlash of that is we're still feeling the reverberations well, now. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would argue that virtually all of the nightmare scenarios that are playing out now are, are as a direct result of all of yeah. that. Uh, Segment, the Goldilocks rating. Is this movie optimistic, pessimistic, or just right? Optimistic. I think it's optimistic too. I think uh, Elliot grows up to be a pretty great oh, yeah. young man. I think all those kids. I think kids, all of them do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, they're probably more appreciative of the mum. The mum kind of gets a little bit where they're at, you know, with everything they've yeah, been yeah, going yeah. through. Oh, they've had a, they've had a, they've all, had, including the three friends, they've all had yeah. a profoundly cosmic experience. I think that they're all, yeah. uh, they all grow up to Fascinating be. Fascinating bond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I had an idea. Uh, I, I would, like I would, taking the concept mm. of kids meeting an alien, but not E.T., but going, kids going through a similar thing and setting the story uh, with them as, Middle age, but nothing exciting has happened since. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's like a it's like a child star that peaks at yeah, yeah, yeah. fourteen, and then <laughs> always wistfully looking up in the sky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come back. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into this. We'll do the last segment, sum it up at the end. But let's get into the squid bits. Uh, Henry Thomas at the age of nine nailed the audition. Oh, by the way, did I miss anything that you wanted to talk no, about? I'm or, good, no, I'm good. Um, Henry Thomas at the age of nine nailed the audition for ET when he drew upon the traumatic experience of seeing his dog attacked by the neighbor's dog, which brought on real tears. Spielberg and the casting directors were immediately impressed. Drew Barrymore originally went into audition for Poltergeist, but the director wasn't there that day. So, but Spielberg was. Yeah, which <laughs> makes you go. He did direct yeah, that film. <laughs> anyway, uh, Barry Moore said about the experience, I was six and I lied my face off. I told him I was in a rock and roll band, that I was a drummer, that I was a cook. And after her audition, Spielberg said she wasn't right for Poltergeist, but would love her to come in and audition for another project, which turned out to be uh, E.T. Barry Moore thought E.T. was real. Yeah. Henry Thomas revealed in a behind-the-scenes featurette, Drew, she's imaginative. She introduced E.T. to her mum and said, he's a little shy now. He doesn't want to talk to you right now, but he's just a little shy. Yeah. And you go, oh, yeah. So that- I, what I was saying before, that they're not, they're not acting. They're, yeah. they're playing. Yeah. Uh, the original title for the film was A Boy's Life. No. Yeah. Like that, thank God. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> like that movie's... No one's going to see a, a boy. A Boy's Life. Yeah. It feels like... I wonder if that's... Like more like a working title, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. or the or the whether you know where they change the name of it. So, oh, actually, that's probably pre. You know how they they oh, yeah. make up names so that yeah. the press don't yes. hang around. It wasn't Return of the Jedi Blue Harvest mm, or something, something like, like that? that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think um, the Matrix was Burly Man, I believe. Yeah, I think the Dark Knight was Rory's first kiss, yeah, named yeah. after like names a lot of them after his kids. Uh, Harrison Ford shot a cameo for the film. His wife Melissa Matheson wrote the movie, and he had just made Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ford's part was supposed to be a bit of an in-joke where he would play an uptight school principal so he'd be playing against type they decided to cut the scene because it didn't really fit with the rest of the film and they kind of thought at this point Harrison Ford might distract from the rest of the story which is a really good choice have you ever seen uh, the James Bond film Skyfall there's um, there's a moment where a character pops up at the end and it's played uh, the character's played by Albert Finney Mm. and it's great like it's it's a really great thing but the initial idea was it was going to be Sean Connery yeah but they went, oh, man, well, if, if Sean Connery pops up, then you, you're sitting there going, oh, my God, this is Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. And it's a really good... So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one of those ones where you go, 
it would have been cool, but you made the right decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Reese's Pieces surged in popularity off the back of this film. It was originally written to be M&M's, but Mars Inc. refused the rights because they didn't want their lollies to be associated with aliens. Dum, dum, dum. After the movie came out, Reese's sales topped the numbers of M&M sold for the first time ever. Of course. Yeah. All these kids leaving trails to try and meet ET. What a weird reason. Mm, not, in, not, in, not if you think about context. Like in their brains, it could have been like, fuck, is it going to be the xenomorph munching M&Ms? Like, I, but surely Spielberg's not saying... Yeah. Like it's not John Carpenter going, oh yeah, see this molten... <laughs> Plasma thing over here. We'd love to have M and M's in. But you know, it would have just been some fucking gronk in marketing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the exact quote. Yeah, too. <laughs> uh, Spielberg and designer Carlo Ramboldi used photos of Albert Einstein, yeah. Ernest Hemingway, and Carl Sandburg to help make ET's eyes as frivolous, wizened, and as sad as those three icons. Oh, buddy. <sighs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, E.T. was played by three mechanical puppets as well as three actors, one of whom was a 12-year-old boy who had been born without legs. A team of mechanical operators controlled E.T., but when he was walking, a small person was often behind the movements. Yeah, right. Uh, just smart, you know? Yeah. Like, it just all all of that makes... Uh, just brings it... It brings E.T. Well, so I mean, much that's, why, that's why I think a lot of um, uh, Spielberg's... Actually, a lot of pre-digital... Uh, special effects movies work so well because they are just you know they it, it's they're using multiple techniques yes and blending and yeah. so you can never quite get a handle on how the thing is yeah the thing is the thing yeah yeah if it's um yes you're correct that's it, the thing it, I mean, you know um, to, not to bang on about my dista- distaste for CG but I think one of the big actually to bang on about it uh, one of the things that draws me out of it is. When I know it's CG, that's that's just it. Yeah. There's no more like, whoa, it's just, oh, yeah, it's, it's CG. Yeah. I don't sit there going, holy fuck, how is that? Yeah. How are they doing that? Yeah. There's no mystery. Yeah. Sound designer Ben Burt collected noises from around 18 different people, animals, and sound effects to make E.T.'s voice. Mm. There are raccoons, sea otters, horses, and a burp from his old cinema professor in there. <laughs> they also use the voice of a chain-smoking housewife. <laughs> funny uh you know you're wondering how did they get such how you know get such a good vibe out of these kids on halloween spielberg dressed up as an old lady school teacher and stayed in costume for that whole day so there's all these photos of him as a i I just think he would be a delightful man yeah yeah you can get a lot out of kids if you're willing to not make a fool of yourself, but no. not take yourself seriously. Seriously, yes. To yeah. to be playful and to show kids that you are as willing to laugh at yourself as anything, yeah. it gives them a lot of license to just go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I think every one of them, like talk so beautifully about mm. the experience. A mime artist helped make E.T. Uh, with the hand gestures, so this allowed E.T. to pick things up thoughtfully and artistically. Mm. Um, Spielberg's original ending was going to have a final scene with everyone playing Dungeons & Dragons, except this time Elliot is the dungeon master because he was the one who found E.T., so now he's in good with the group. Mm. And then the camera would pan up to the roof and you'd see the communicator and it is still working, the implication being that they're still in touch. Oh, okay, no, I'm... I, 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 I'm glad they didn't do yeah. that 
But I don't mind that. It's sweet. It's but sweet, but I, you don't I prefer need the it. ambiguity. I prefer the. It's. They said goodbye. This is yeah. They said goodbye. Yeah. And that, you know what? I think that that would have robbed something of that. That would have been the the too much, too much Spielberg for my liking. The fact that ten years later Spielberg y- puts that in. Yeah. Yeah. You must. <laughs> you know. I think the power of that ending is everything good. Eventually, you have to say goodbye to it one way yeah. or another, and that that, that is a a hard truth of life that we all must come yeah. square ourselves with at some point. Yeah. And, you know, there's a profundity to to him having to say goodbye to this yeah. creature that he's so close to. And, you know, we he, he's already said goodbye to his dad in, yeah. in terrible ways. And this yeah. shows you how to say goodbye in, in, a, yeah. in a good way. I think one of the kind of really nice subtle touches in that final scene is uh, the dog's there. And yeah. it's like, oh no, he's still got his dog, yeah. and we know he loves his dog because what's the photo that he has it's next to his bed? It's his dog. Yeah, so yeah. he's still got his pal, yeah, and yeah. they'll still be hanging out. You well, know. And, you know, and, it made, and and that goodbye made me kind of think of of pets. You yeah, know? I mean that's the, that's the horrible bargain that you have whenever you have a pet. You know, oh, you've got ten God. years. Yeah, yeah, you've got, you got ten years, and yep. you will have to say goodbye to this thing that you love. Yeah, and um, and, and, and you have a responsibility to yeah. you know make sure that that. Pet is not in pain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so to tack that ending on of the community, you know, it'd be it'd be the equivalent of the dog dying and then pet cemetery. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, man. Like the, the goodbye is the yeah, you know, is the lesson here. Yeah, yeah, and it's a beautiful lesson. Um, yeah. There was a dark sequel plan, but the story treatment was so terrible it was it was it never got made. Spielberg said sequels can be very dangerous because they compromise your truth as an artist. I think a sequel to E.T. would do nothing but rob the original of its purity. Yes. The sequel was going to be called E.T. 2 Nocturnal Fears. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. It gets worse. The story was going to take place the following summer when Elliot and his friends are abducted by a mutated race of ETs led by an evil entity named Corell, who is looking for Zrek, another alien stranded on Earth. Eventually, ET saves the kids and returns them home. No, thanks. Like... All good. Please, all good. Please, when you know, because Spielberg's getting older. Like yeah. when, please, uh. please don't like wh- whoever's <laughs> out there. Don't take over the franchise. We're going to make the E two universe. No, please don't well, do that. You never know, man. It's going to happen. You never know. I mean, they're doing the Roald Dahl universe now. Oh, I know. Well, you know, I could, I could see that ten years from now. The Netflix announcing the Spielberg series where oh. all the movies exist simultaneously yeah, yeah. in the same universe. Steve, Steven Spielberg presents, and it's written by a whole lot of other writers. Yeah. Um, after the success of the film, Indian director Satyajit, sorry for the pronunciation, I meant to look Sajit it up. Sajit Ray? Sajit Ray, is that how you pronounce well, it? Well, I know S- that that is an Indian director. S-A-T, maybe I've written it down, Sajit Ray, maybe Sajit, that is Sajit it. Ray was a director in the 50s, so yes. maybe not. Oh, no, S-A-T-Y, Sajit Ray. Yeah, I reckon you might be right with that. Alleged that Spielberg stole the idea from the script he wrote in 1967 entitled The Alien. Columbia Pictures optioned the concept with Peter Sellers. Who would be the weirdest person for Peter Sellers to act with in 1967? (laughs) Um, George C. Scott. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's pretty weird. Not too far off, though. Marlon Brando. Whoa. Peter Sellers and Marlon Brando in the lead roles. But legal problems forced Ray to abandon the project. Ray told the press, E.T. would not have been possible without my script of the alien being available throughout America in mimeographed copies. 
Spielberg denied this, saying, I was a kid in high school yeah. when his script was circulating Hollywood. No further legal action was taken. What, what's the similarity? Peter Sellers and, and Marlon Brando? Well, Marlon like, Brando going to be Elliot? <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, like it doesn't make any sense, you know. But, you know, but the... the, 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 the an alien in but it. But also the thing that's classic about it is... Like, it's a really simple yeah, concept. Yeah. So I'm sure lots of people have come up with this concept. Of course. And I think it's stranded on Earth and Isn't there has that to get series, my, my, my Favourite Alien or something from right. the 50s? Uh, Mork and my, Mindy? It's my, my Favourite Martian. My Favourite Martian, yeah. Mork and Mindy. Yeah, all of that. Fucking um, Osmodiar and the yeah. Flintstones. Come yeah. on. Uh, Prince Charles and Princess Diana had the film screen for them with, with uh, Spielberg and the stars there. Right. Princess Diana cried so much she was whisked away by the royal family, whisked her away to fix her makeup before uh, holding an informal meeting with Spielberg and the stars. That you the are princess, embarrassing us. That we the princess no requested. Emotion. Yeah, well, that tells you a lot about that family. Mm. Um, the film was shown in Cannes in an out of competition screening, and the audience stood up and applauded for a whole 15 minutes before the film ended. Oh. They were. Like they were, <laughs> like they were so into it. They, for the last fifteen minutes, they're clapping, and the standing ovation continued for another fifteen minutes after the credits ended. <sighs> Fellow director Francois Truffaut, yeah. who appeared in Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, sent Spielberg a telegram that read, "You belong here more than me," echoing a similar line his character uttered in Close Encounters. <laughs> they shot. Them- I, I never understood those thirty minutes. Down. Like at some point, don't you feel ridiculous <laughs> after like the twenty? Enough for the five minute mark of like, whoa, aren't you like, yeah, all right, like, this is. I'm. Um, come on. Like, I've seen some movies that I've loved. Not half like, an hour of clapping love, though. No, I think the closest I've ever come to uh, the most visceral reaction I've ever had to a film was with Tom Gleason. And after we saw the third Bourne movie, The Bourne Ultimatum, uh, we walked out and Gleason said, I'm going to give you five minutes and then I'm going to chase you across rooftops. And I said, You're on. <laughs> um, a side note, a personal thing about me, I know that I have loved a movie when I spontaneously applaud at home. Oh, yeah. It happens right. It happens probably, you know, every so often when, when I'm like in that real peak. Yeah. When I, I involuntarily go, yes, I, yes, very yes. good. Uh, I, I sometimes have uh, clapped, especially jokes. Like if something really makes me laugh, yeah. I, I sometimes clap by myself <laughs> as well. Uh, they shot the movie in chronological order for the kids. That yeah. way the kids knew where they were emotionally, where they had been the day before and pretty much had no idea where they were going the next day. That way every day was a surprise like real life. Yeah, very good. Melissa Matheson loved playing Dungeons and Dragons and used to play it with her husband, Harrison Ford. <laughs> Funny, you know, because we now know that he enjoys a little bit of a chuff. Yeah. So he must have been heaps of fun. <laughs> he would have been... <laughs> you just So uh, a little side story. Uh, this is going back to about 2004. I was on the road with uh, Charlie Pickering mm. and Akmal Sali. And uh, there may have been... Uh, there was allegedly some pot around. With Akmal? No. Yeah. And we would play Scrabble. And uh, th- so this is what I'm wondering if Ford was like with Dungeons and Dragons. We would we were playing Scrabble. Uh, so Charlie and I were playing Scrabble and uh, there were a couple of other people and, and Akbar would come in and his eyes were allegedly red. <laughs> and he'd sit there and we'd get to him. We'd sit there waiting for ages. And then we'd say, Akmal, it's your turn. And he'd go, oh, okay. And then he'd like, right. 
cat and put down three tiles just like not attached to anything and we'd say no 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 it has to it has to be attached and he'd go oh and he'd push it forward but then it would just like read book and and like no other word no no it has to make another and he, oh no I'm going to bed yeah. and that happened every night and that's how I like to think that Harrison Ford played uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, is it my turn? Uh, yeah. Um, with the pieces. Oh, I'm yeah. It's so funny. Uh, oh, yeah. Isn't it nice just to see a kid with action figures playing? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Boba <laughs> Fett. You know, yeah. the, the, the legend of Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, literally, what, what is it? Um, seven minutes of screen time and the Empire Strikes Back and a, and a shout out and ET and yeah. you go, legend. <laughs> uh, Robert McNaughton, who is Michael. Um, was also an avid Dungeons and Dragons player, and when he mentioned his hobbies to Spielberg, uh, it, he was pleased they fitted in with the character. And I think that's kind of what right. helped get him the role. They went, "Oh, this kid is already across it." Yeah. Um, this is interesting. That is real life doctors and nurses playing the roles when they're trying to revive ET. Right. So uh, Spielberg got in touch with them because he wanted to get everything technically correct, uh-huh. and then he just well, well why don't we'll just get you to do it and right. so they did it and so that's I think that's why that scene is so full on as well because it's it, it feels so real because they're acting as when the guy right. says yeah. call it call oh, it yeah that uh, yeah there's a truth to that yeah uh, Matheson said children inspired many aspects of E.T. She would ask children what powers they'd like the alien to have and they would mention telepathy or telekinetic powers but several of them mentioned the power to heal and mm. she thought this was an incredibly poignant idea to come from a child. Mm-hmm. Spielberg didn't think the movie would make a lot of money. <laughs> In the making of E.T., the director said, I think E.T. is not going to make a lot of money. I think I'm making a movie that is only going to appeal to kids. I said, I'm probably making a big mistake. I'm going to make an old-fashioned Walt Disney movie about an alien and a kid, and that is all it is going to be. Oh, dumb, dumb. You know what, <laughs> you know what Stephen? It's more than that, mate. It's more than that. Uh, but you know, at it's, it's got core, too much edge to be a Walt Disney movie. Oh no, I know, I you know. know but like it's it, there's there's edge to it. But it's interesting. It's like um, I heard recently uh, that um, isn't it funny? Like some of the greatest directors and like it, it. This just goes to show you that even when you make art and you are at the top of your game, you don't really oh, understand yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Scorsese with The Departed just wanted to make a fun film yeah. and that's the film that he gets the oscar yeah. for and he's like what yeah 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 no this is yeah. what <laughs> i mean arguably he got it because yeah but, the academy is what it is yeah he should have won it many yeah. times before yeah. but it's still it's yeah. funny that for him he's just making he's just making a fun film i oh, will do this we'll do that yeah, we'll get jack in the whole world oh. yeah, he's like what and, yeah. you know spielberg i'm just making a nice little kids film what yeah um, it did get nominated for Best Movie in a pretty big year. It's the year that Gandhi won. And right. uh, I think the movie Missing is there. I think that's the year that uh, Meryl Streep wins for Sophie's Choice. Right. Like So uh, Ben Kingsley, of course, uh, wins for Gandhi. So it's a pretty big powerhouse mm. year. Um, and then, of course, all those classic sci-fi films. Like there's a lot of mm. good movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, the original idea for the movie was like when they were really – putting it together it was never going to be about an extraterrestrial it was supposed to reflect Spielberg's childhood and be about a mum and dad getting a divorce dividing up the family and moving to different states so that was a really Which traumatic is, experience yeah. but it's all like it's it, uh, it grounds it like that's that's the part that grounds it in a reality totally that allows you to accept everything else immature moment alert are you ready go 
In the credits, the person who provides the catering services is named as Dick Vane. <laughs> V-A-I-N? V-A-N-E. But who would have thought they'd that when I was re-watching it, I'd see a Dick Vane in E.T.? <laughs> yes, folks, I'm 49. <laughs> anyway, uh, and uh, our final segment... Uh, do you want to sum it up for us? What the movie means to you? We've already covered The power of empathy, man. Yeah. Just the power of uh, of uh, getting outside your own perspective on things and yeah. realizing that there's many ways to be and that you can actually learn a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Just I by think... connecting with things that aren't necessarily you and the things you like. Yeah. I'm wrapped that you got teary over it. I wasn't sure. I like because I know that you're not really uh, a Spielberg, as you said, acolyte. Mm, so mm. I was like, uh, like I was quite prepared for you to say I, I thought you'd enjoy it yeah. like I didn't think that but yeah. I was quite prepared for you to come in and say yeah the flying was too much or the rainbow was too much no, or something like all. that but um, you know me once once I'm on board with something as like I I love every genre of music of film as, as long as it's like operating at, at its peak yeah so I'm all up for uh, like lather on the sentimentality yeah. if it's done well. Yeah, if it's earned. Oh, if it's earned. That rainbow yeah. at the I mean, it didn't even occur to me that the rainbow at the end was anything other than, of course, it's the rainbow at the end. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, you know, as we said right at the beginning, this, it, it, for, for the movie that it is, in the genre that it's operating in, is a perfect film. Yeah. I can't, I cannot find flaw in this film at yeah. all. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, Perfect in its own way that 2001 is perfect. Yeah, exactly. And we're not comparing as the, as the, the two films. Is, as, as the thing the skin is. is. Like, yeah. they're all perfect movies, for, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, all very vastly different. Yeah. You know, I think the problem that a lot of people have when they watch films is, you know, oh, I don't like that type of movie. I don't mm. like sci-fi movies. I don't, li- I don't like comedy. I don't... Well, yeah. I only like drama movies. Or I only like thrillers. Yeah. So, I, but, like... All things are good as long as they're good. Yeah. As long as they're, like, well-made, well-crafted, well-acted. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I'm not really a fan of musicals, but I've watched some musicals and really enjoyed them. Yeah. Like, it's... When they're great, they're great. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I did a... Uh, recorded a podcast last night with Will Anderson for Fofop, and he was saying that, like, he he hates movies that are set in space and he hates movies that are set underwater, and if they ever set a movie underwater in space, it would be the worst film for him to watch. And I said, they did. It's called Avatar. He said, I've never seen it. I said, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thank you to Ben Elwood for joining me today for our latest episode of Space Policy. Next week, we have a guest. And it ended up being such a big podcast, it will be a special two-parter. That's right. The first part will drop Thursday, with the second part following closely on the Friday. And that guest is ABC host, author, and genuinely top guy Richard Feidler, joining Ben and I to talk about the masterpiece, Children of Men. Yeah, I know. Brilliant movie. Hopefully brilliant podcast. Pretty big podcast, at least. (laughs) I can't wait for you to hear it. And, you know, just great having Richard involved. It's a a pretty funny podcast, too. There's some really funny dynamics going on. And, uh, yeah, I'm wrapped for it to, to come out next week. So I can't wait for you to be able to... 
get your ears on it. If you'd like to comment on any of the work we're doing here, head over to the Big Squid Facebook page and you can drop us a line there. Thank you also goes out to Pip Lee for being our Patreon subscriber for today's podcast. I hope our ET episode is in your wheelhouse. And uh, once again, let me know if your girls have ever seen the movie and if so, what they thought of it. Uh, remember, if you're keen for some bonus material, head to Patreon and look up Justin Hamilton Big Squid to find a tier that suits you. If money is tight and it has been a rough couple of years, but you'd still like to contribute, please keep your money. And if you want to help out, you can recommend the podcast to like-minded people, you know, uh, friends of yours. That's a nice way to contribute, you know, people who you think might enjoy the work. Or even just take a couple of minutes and leave us a top review on Apple Podcasts. All of that's appreciated. As I said, if money is tight, please hold on to your money. We're not going anywhere. And uh, there's other ways to uh, show your affection for the work that my friends and I are doing here. Let's finish today with a quote from Steven Spielberg. Sometimes a dream almost whispers. It never shouts. Very hard to hear. So you have to, every day of your lives, be ready to hear what whispers in your ear. Until then.